Hello and welcome to Transitions Tuesday, the podcast. Today is April 7th, 2020. My name is Aleka Bylan and I'm an educational transitions counselor working around the world. An update from the UNESCO website today shows that there are over 188 countries worldwide that have countrywide school closures, including most of the continents of South America, Africa, Europe, as well as Central America, the Middle East, South Asia, many countries in East Asia, Australia, Russia, the United States, and Canada all have localized school closures. There are 1.5 billion students that are affected by these COVID-19 school closures. That's over 91% of total enrolled learners worldwide. Today, I'm so happy to chat with my friend, Beck Taylor. Beck will introduce herself in a moment, but I'm really asking her as the first in a three-part series in which I talk to our colleagues from international schools in mainland China, who are now in the 10th week of parenting, educating, leading, and trying to hold their community together through school closures and virtual learning. Hello. Well, hi. It's so great to hear your voice. You too. Well, this is fantastic. I have with me today Beck Taylor, who's one of my oldest, dearest friends, um, and who I am calling today to really learn a whole lot because she has been walking this path for the last 10 weeks. And so let's just dive in. Beck, why don't you introduce yourself, give us a little bit of a feel for the different hats that you wear, and also all of the different kinds of transitions you've had to juggle in the last 10 weeks. Okay. Well, thank you, first of all, for being willing to interview me. This is a wonderful opportunity. Um, I am an elementary school teacher librarian at the International School of Beijing in China, and I am also the mum to two kiddos. Will, who is in grade five, and Charlie, who is a girl and in grade two. She's in a dual language program at ISB and Will is at um, the Western Academy of Beijing with his dad, who is an elementary school STEAM facilitator. And so what are some of the kinds of moves or transitions that your family has experienced in the last 10 weeks or so? Well, we had a huge transition because we were in Beijing living life as usual and we always stay home for Chinese New Year. It's always a very expensive and busy time uh, to travel in the Asian region. So we stay home and we had a lovely, relaxed Chinese New Year, which was overshadowed by the very beginnings, bubblings of the public knowledge of what COVID-19 was going to explode into. So it was a little bit overwhelming to start with, but we just chilled. We were at home. It felt like everything was under control. And then we were supposed to go back to school. And within probably two days before school was due to go back after the Chinese New Year holiday, we got the call that COVID-19 had just exploded out of Wuhan. It exploded onto the world map in terms of publicity. And we we were not allowed to go back to school. The government had shut the entire country. Now, that sounds very dramatic and it sounds like, oh, my God, the world's going to fall and the sky's going to fall down. But 
at the time, it didn't feel that bad because Beijing was already empty. You'll remember, Aleka, from your time there that Chinese New Year, it's just dead. It's cold, it's dry, and there's no one there because everyone has popped off to the rest of the world for their special holiday. And, and to their families and all, all over China. Yeah. Yes. So it's the spring festival, but it's still quite cold and, and people are really inside with their families or off to different provinces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Like it's the, it's the spread like crazy. I'm sorry, that, that's the milk truck that goes past. We're next to a dairy farm. <laughs> <laughs> the milk tanker uh, heading down to the dairy farm to pick up the milk. So I'm right. Sorry. So somehow we got you from Beijing to a dairy farm. Yes, I'll get there. <laughs> so we, at the start, we were thinking it's fine. We're okay. It's not that big a deal. Also, embarrassingly, we are monolingual as a family. We don't have a lot of Chinese. So we were getting the media, but only like the filtered down English version. We also thought, oh, it's only going to be a week. It's going to be fine. We just have to go online, teach a week, maybe two weeks. I think we were given a two-week deadline, like we're going to be back at school in two weeks, nobody panic. And then it got to three weeks and then it got to four weeks and then it got to five weeks. And all we could think about was two things. When are we ever going to get our kids to see any other kids? (laughs) And two, where do we want to be sick? Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest questions that expats ask, especially if expats in China who don't speak Chinese or have a strong connection um, via family or very, very close friends. Where do you want to be hospitalised if the worst happens? And we felt really happy where we were. We actually didn't want to leave Beijing. We had our routine, we had our AI, which is our, our home help, we had my mum, we had friends. It felt like it was the most controllable control we could have over the And just to for context, Beijing is your home. I mean, you, you're not temporary expats yeah. there. How long have you lived there now? No. Um, and it's the only home your kiddos have years. ever known. And, and literally the home that we live in, the physical building, is the home they came. Right. So it was a big decision to leave that home and to repatriate to yeah. your passport country, right? It was massive. And as we, we made the decision almost on a dime, it was when um, our director said that he doubted we would go back to school before Hong Kong. And this was not public. He didn't, he didn't like write it down, but he did, that was just kind of his feeling. And Hong Kong government had said April 2nd, April 20th, sorry. And at that point, that was another seven and a half weeks mm. away. And we just said, I, we don't really want to live with that level of uncertainty. And at that point, I think, I think we were living in a really naive headspace that COVID-19 was going to be limited to China because that's what the data was saying. That's what the media was saying. They were saying it's just Chinese disease and China was doing a spectacular job of shutting it down. They really were. We felt very safe. And we really, in our deep in our hearts, whether this made sense logically or not, 
we thought we could go to Australia and live a normal life and then just come home mm. to China when it was all over. And it, we, and we kind of felt like that right up until recently. Um, and then we got, we were on the, we're at the airport, which was dead, which Beijing airports never did. And we got there. And as we were going down the jetway, we looked out, it was a beautiful non-pollution day, such a pleasure to leave on a good day. And actually Doug and I looked at each other. We had tears in our eyes mm-hmm. because we felt grief. We didn't know when we were coming back. And I still feel emotional thinking about it now because we still don't know when we're going home. And that is really right. hard. Right. And it was sudden. It's like really- you said, you made the decision on a dime. So it's not this long plan yeah, for I mean- transition, this like global mobility. You're, and then you're going to a passport country that you thought was going to be sort of normal life, but then it also was affected. So life there was abnormal. Yeah. 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 Um, Oh, Beck, thank you so much for sharing that story. Cause I think there's so many of us that can really resonate with that and different elements of it. And so I know that it was challenging in different ways and it unfolded sort of slowly, but what do you think, what have been some challenges that have been quite unexpected And how have you coped with those? If you want to give like one or two examples. Yeah, that I think, I think I went into the work part of it, mostly with my eyes open and also the parenting part. I knew it was going to be hard because I'd already done it for five weeks before repatriating. But what I didn't expect was how much grief I feel and and grief because we we ha- we are having to say goodbye to all that we knew as as humans because this is invisible but yet we see the effects and that is so damaging to our psyche that we're constantly second guessing who has it do i have it am i giving it to someone and then when you are when you feel healthy and you're surrounded by healthy people but you can't do anything because out of necessity, everybody's on lockdown. It's strange. It's strange. Cause you look out the window, right. It's- and life looks normal. Yes. And we, we actually live very, very close to a RAF base, which is the Royal Australian air force. And so they do their practice flights over our house um, every day or so. And that is really surreal to look up and go, well, we're not at war with people. That plane is not going to drop a bomb on us, which is what, you know, the last time our country went through this Mm. hellish time would have been a world war, right? Instead, we're fighting something we can't see. And so it's it's the first time maybe ever in the whole of humanity that everybody is fighting the same thing at the same time. But yet that global grief Mm. doesn't, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't ex- yes. just shut down of the and world. And so as a mom once. of young kids, how do you help them explain mm-hmm. that? Because they obviously are seeing that. They're experiencing their own grief, that sudden goodbye and not knowing when they're going back mm-hmm. to the only home they've known. How are you helping them as a mom? Mm. Oh, it's such a difficult question to answer because I always feel like I'm not doing enough. I think we <laughs> That's just parenting, like I that. think. 
Um, we because we're always together, <laughs> we've got lots of time to talk. Bedtime is the most important time in our family. Even at ten and seven, bedtime is still very, very important to the kids, and one of us is always with them right up until they go to sleep because when the lights are off that's when they'll ask those questions that they don't want to say with eye contact or in the harsh mm. light of day right that they've just been bubbling away under the surface that they're either too nervous too scared or mm. embarrassed even to ask um will is actually doing his <laughs> exhibition project mm. on covid-19 so <laughs> he's got plenty of uh insider knowledge on that however he did ask us about two weeks ago to um please stop watching the news and turning on the radio because he found it um really difficult and he became really emotional and really stressed so we had to be really mindful of the media we were consuming and the conversations that Doug and I and my dad were having together um we just had to really limit that because he was able to tell Mm. us and that's important coping. language to to really encourage, right? To be able to express that need, that emotion. And how wonderful of you guys to retain those rituals that they have been accustomed to in their life, right? So bedtime, wherever that bedroom may be in the world, that bedtime ritual remains the same. And so there's an anchor there. There's a certainty. There's a pattern um, where everything else, it looks upside down and topsy-turvy. Yeah. We, we, we've got one child who is oh, painstakingly in need of constant structure. <laughs> I wonder where he gets it from. <laughs> I know. So, so for all of us, we have stuck to the vast amount of routines that we had in place. Like we still have family dinner we we do a daily schedule because that allows all of us to know when are we going to have a time to connect play a game read a book watch tv together as a family that those kind of visual cues have helped us because that's what we need um some of my other friends who are far more spontaneous and relaxed that would stress them out so they've been really happy with just the slow pace of the day unfolding as it is. And that's why I think you really have to know your family dynamic. And in our family, I set the temperature, whether I wish to or not. If And if mum's happy, everyone's happy. So I have to do what makes me be able to balance the teacher hat and the parent hat uh, and wife. I mean, please, that comes in an easy third. Yeah, it's you have to know you kids and know you as a family what's going to give you that feeling of control over a situation which yeah. is so you've alluded actually control. to a couple of things that I was going to ask you next which is you know what are the silver linings that have emerged for you and your family in this situation um i would say the amount of outdoor time we've had coming uh, to my mum and dad's retirement house where they they are on an acre block with a swimming pool and they live on the outskirts of an already small town, mm-hmm. as I said earlier, next to a dairy farm. So 
it's a little bit weird because you could be here and actually there could be a total zombie apocalypse in town. <laughs> so it's great self-isolation. Because Exactly. Um, and, you know, we're going for bike rides, we're going for walks, we're doing gardening, the kids are helping my dad with home improvement projects. That's something that they would never usually do. That's a super, super duper silver lining. Um I have to admit, I'm glad we didn't have this discussion yesterday because if we had, I wouldn't mm. have been able to find a single silver lining. Yesterday was incredibly bad day. We do. And I, and we have those. All of us have those where you're just like, I hate everything. Nothing is good. I don't know how we're going to get out of this. And then you wake up and then you're like, nope, yeah. do over. And it's we're almost like Groundhog Day, right? So <laughs> we're doing the same thing every day. So it's a little <laughs> bit like you do get that do over. You do get that. Okay. Well, there's nothing... There's nothing necessarily new that's going to happen today. We just need to try to, you know, get through some of the bumps that we might have experienced yesterday. Yeah. So we do get that do over. Yes. Um, so I'm really keen because I've been observing my colleagues in China, you know, at your school, at, at Doug's school, at all the schools that have been closed for so long, the international schools primarily, and just watching the, the uh, flexibility and the changes and the generosity I mean, the amount of sharing that that schools Mm. from China, Hong Kong, Taiwan have been sharing with the rest of the world from Vietnam as well with what they've learned with, you know, so that others can learn from their failures and their mistakes. So I just really appreciate that and this time that you're giving me at the moment. Um, So what what are some kernels like? There's a lot of people in North America that are trying to do what you're doing, balancing two teachers educating elementary school learners at home and trying to look down this long road to see how they can sustain it. So what is some advice that you would give? What is some, some things that you'd share with those that are just starting this journey? Oh, there's so many things that I wish I could have done differently. But at the same time, I don't view myself as any kind of failure for not doing these earlier or not being different because we in, in, in China in particular started this before anyone, before right. any freebies, before like there was an analogy out of a principal out of Hong Kong that said, we're not building the plane as we fly it. <laughs> we built the damn runway, terminal, like the path of the plane. Like there was no basis. There, there was I, I, like I said it before, wow. I think we had 48 hours notice and it, it was Chinese New Year. So we were everywhere around the world. There was no luxury of, hmm, how should we do this? We completely made it up as we went along. Luckily, I mean, we have phenomenal educators at our schools that were so agile in their actions, in their thinking, in their emotional response. And I think we did a beautiful job. However, the one number one thing I would say is mm. less is more. Them so much less work. Like, imagine what you will do. Take away ninety percent of it. You cannot make this, and you should not. School. In my opinion, I mean, not only in my opinion, but you know, Global Online Academy is one of the learning leaders in this space because they've been doing online learning for so long. And 
absolutely say that you you should not be using online learning as a way to replicate the day-to-day learning environment of a student. Nope, because you can't. And that's especially important for those of us in elementary school where pedagogically, emotionally, socially, this is not appropriate. <laughs> this is not how kids learn. It's not even how they mm. learn best. It's just not even how they learn. Right, they are so used to seeing devices as a consumption mm. tool that now having to turn it into a creation tool and as the only tool to learn, basically, even those of us that are doing what we think is like pretty cool stuff, it, it's still, it's nothing. It's nothing compared to age-appropriate, real-life, inquiry-based learning that we all know is best. So we're doing the best we can in a situation that is that is not normal or appropriate, really, for our kids. We're making it as great as we can. But there's a, there's this whole other added element that I'm still trying to get my head around, even after all this time, is that the whole world is broken at the same time. So... It's not just like, oh, you're sick and you're at home and you're trying to like catch up with schoolwork. You're trying to deal with the fact that you're not really supposed to be leaving your house. And you've got mum and dad, if you're lucky enough, with you all the time, 24-7. They're trying to work. You're trying to work. This is just so far out of the bounds of normal that we, we can't expect ourselves to try to live a normal school life or experience. And I think that we, all of us, have done and expected too much of ourselves and our learners from the beginning. And we've, we've changed because of it. And it, it's great. You know, we have scaled back significantly. And our kids' social-emotional health is... And I think the really key the point there is, you know, give ourselves grace as educators, as parents, as learners of whatever age, just ah, breathe and we're all getting through this. Yeah. Oh, Beck, thank you so much for so many, so many kernels and wonders of just wisdom. Um, I really love hearing your voice and I just know that anyone who listens to this will love it as well. So thank you so much for taking the time today. Here are some action steps from today's episode. Beck really helped us remember that one of the best things we can do for our children and ourselves while in transitions is to stick to those routines, those certainties in the time of uncertainty. She also gave a really good tip about knowing your own dynamic and your own family dynamic and staying true to that. I think that some of us are suffering from information overload. There's so much generosity now about helping parents and educators with COVID school closures that it can sometimes be hard to decipher the noise. So knowing who you are and who your family dynamic is, is really important. She also reminded us what we know is that kids need to be able to express their own emotions and their own needs. So allowing the space As she said at bedtime when it's dark, that they can really vocalize what they've been feeling throughout the day. And the final thing that we all need to remember is that in the virtual space on the online learning platform, less is more. 
We are not trying to replicate what is happening in the daily classroom environment. We are just trying to continue learning in unprecedented times. And the biggest, most important thing to keep in mind is our own social-emotional state. So my thanks go out to Beck, and I really do hope that you have some pearls of wisdom to take with you on this journey. Thank you, and I'll see you next week.